Blog Talk Radio. welcoming those of you who are coming in live today and those of you listening in the future. I appreciate your energy here with me whenever you have your presence here because presence is something that exists beyond space and beyond time and it doesn't matter where you are or when you are, you are here with me right now. Today, I am returning to the theme of love, which I never really leave in this program, but I am aware how many of you are drawn to the programs which focus on love, and it is a theme that could be repeated to infinity, essentially, because everything is love. And it's very important for us to be reminded right now how vital it is to as much as we can. And yes, we are all imperfect human beings. Live as many of the minutes of our days as we can in the space of unconditional love. Like many of you, I'm sure, we at times, and I am not immune by any means, can feel the heaviness of fear in our world, of hate in our world, of division, of just that constant, oh, well, how do I put it? There is, it's not a flow. I wanted to say flow, and that's not what it is. There is something that seems to perversely, really, attract even the spiritual, really anybody, to expressions that are not loving, You know, maybe you get a rise out of it in the moment because something is upsetting you. But 
is it really compatible with our spiritual paths? That brief moment, perhaps, of gossip or of some quick share, you know, some really clever barb, perhaps, you know, just beating it over and over and over again, this, these things that may trouble us, these things that are irking many people, and yet how do you feel? How do you feel after that? Maybe it gives you a brief rise to come up with some clever way of insulting someone. Maybe that does have a kind of a, um, you know, I'm sure there's a chemical aspect to it. That it gives you an instant, you know, some kind of gratification. But then... As you look at your days and you think about who you are and what you're about and who you choose to be, is it really helping? Does it help whoever displeases you? Does it really help you? Is it solving anything? Or is it just injecting more fear and stress into the world. And again, I get into these modes of, you know, being upset or worked up about something. I mean, there are plenty of things to be concerned about in our world. And I'm not saying that we just say, ah, you know, our world is just so perfect right now and everybody's acting, you know, so peacefully and um, you know, with the, the so compassionately, so empathically, so um, found, so gosh, you know, I know that I'm really, I've got something really laid on my heart to say, and that's when the words don't always come as easy. But see, that's the way it is, isn't it? When we're talking about this stress, it disrupts our flow. It disrupts our days. It disrupts our world. It disrupts our lives. And yes, it does disrupt the planet. And it's not helping us. So we need to move forward from the language of um, cleverness and division the the language of thinking that you can assume why somebody does something or makes some choice and you think that you know, you know, because maybe you've made a different choice and you think you know um, something, some great assumption about a group of people, and this can apply in many, many ways, and yet you have not lived their lives, you are not in their shoes, and even though, yes, of course, there are many ways to be misguided nowadays and many people who will happily do the misguiding, it doesn't serve us well to be in this constant mode of division. So today... I'm calling us back to love. Others have written of love. There are many ways to think about love. 
the mystics have written of love. And I once again today um, got ready pretty quick before this show, but I managed to pull a few things from my own research on um, feminine mystics. And I'll share a few things there. But what we really need to be focusing on is what our inner feelings know. Deep down, we know, and you know that you know. When we get engaged in some um, conversation or whatever, um, where we're being, you know, just, oh, you know, just so brilliantly critical, so clever. That has no lasting satisfaction. And if anything, if you reflect upon it, you feel bad about it later. You feel just uh, raw inside. So what if you're so very clever? We're not interested in that. So what if you stated it, oh, so well in so few words and just gave it to this person or this group or whatever has occupied this low vibrational attention? And that's what it is. We are dragged down by it. We are dragged down by fear. We are most certainly dragged down by any kind of expression of hatred. It doesn't mean that you can't highlight, you know, where is it that we really want to be? But we really need to be thinking about, as past shows have indicated, how we get there. If our route there to some more um, peaceful state of the world is a form of lower vibration behavior, that's no route. That's going the other direction. I was talking to a friend the other day about, um, actually this has come up more than once, this reflection. I've both heard it, I've said it, I've thought about it. You know, this notion of spiritual freedom and the choices that we have and when we understand our spirituality and I really do encourage you to listen to um, the last couple of episodes to get a better feel for this when you are at a higher vibrational state when you are consciously no matter what your particular spiritual path, aligning yourself with love. When you truly believe that the divine is love, however you label the divine, even if you're not spiritual at all and you value love-based behavior, you are already a significant distance towards creating that greater outcome, that freer outcome. Freedom works when we are loving together, when we listen to one another, when we endeavor to understand 
when we take the time not just to lash out, you know, being prepared with that clever barb. No one's going to talk under those circumstances. There will be no um, positive direction from that kind of an approach. Understanding and empathy take time. And when you talk to people, pretty soon you begin to realize, oh, I didn't know, I didn't understand that. Wow, now I see why you might have that perspective. Sure, there can be some very dark perspectives in the world, and you're not going to agree with that dark perspective. Even there you may see, wow, you know, this person went through some kind of hell in their lives or really is broken utterly to have that lower perspective and to stay in that space. How you label higher and lower. You have to listen and you have to feel what's happening with fear on the planet. A long time ago, and I've talked about this on the show before, um, before I had ever heard it anywhere else, um, in a time of awakening for me, I was given to understand that the opposite of love was not hate, but it was fear. And I had never heard that before. And yet I was guided to that reality. And I do believe that is true. Because the reason there is hate is because of fear. People through ages and ages and ages of time have competed for the resources on this planet. I invite you to study history, my friends. And that has not led to a good outcome. It bothers me so much. Um, Yesterday, I happened to hear, was a non-significant anniversary of what was known as the Trinity Experiment um, in New Mexico, where they set off the first atomic bomb. And it was 76 years ago. And somewhat later, not long, they were to use this diabolical weapon. And they were in a race. They were in a weapons race. Who would develop it first? What if, you know, the, what if Germany had developed it first? Would, what would they have done with it? It was a very challenging time, and yet it was just another expression of what's been going on on this planet for centuries. It's really interesting when you study history how one group will develop some new fo- new weapon, some new form of metal that they can use to create weapons or some new way of fighting. And so they invade somewhere else and, you know, there it, it just continues. And the people who are invaded are, of course, you know, ravaged and um their their vengeance goes on and on and on and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And it's all about fear. Any hatred that arises, a lot of hatred arises out of wrongs. You know, when, when loved ones are hurt or killed in a war, 
people don't get over that quickly or in any other oppressive way. Of course they don't. That hurts. It's a very harsh thing. Even so, we must find our way to love. You know, when they first set off that experiment 76 years ago, they didn't know what was going to happen. One calculation, which turned out to be wrong, said it could have destroyed the entire earth. Can you imagine taking that kind of a risk? And yet, what was what were they worried about? That someone very dark would get there before them. Then what? So we're... I mean, if you think about it, it's the culmination of this weapons race that went on for centuries. And it's not over. And it'll just keep going on until we find a better way or there's no more time. I have reflected many times, and on this program, if humanity is really going to make the cut so to speak, of species and knowing that there are so many planets now that are now observable. This wasn't true when I was younger and people would question, you know, could there be intelligent life in the, in the universe? Well, now we know there's even a multiverse. Or certainly there are strong theories within science. And don't let anybody tell you that spirituality and science do not work together when they are both where they need to be in pursuit of truth. It's really that simple. If you are in pursuit of truth, then you're on the right track. Will we make the cut? I cannot tell you. If we continue down a non-spiritual path, we may not make it. Or maybe a smaller group will make it. One of these programs I'm going to talk about... um, different prophecies I've studied. I started studying um, different types of mystics and what they said, specifically female mystics, over 10 years ago. And I had to put the project on the shelf because there were so many dark things. There were many love-based things, but I just couldn't tell, and I wasn't sure that they themselves could discern their own Fears, which can take hold when you're in a visionary experience, from truth, from something that might actually occur. And that can happen too. There is very real intuition and people have accurately predicted things. So when you can't sort out fear from truth, and also you have mixed into that how someone may see something and yet they put their own interpretation on it which comes from their own experience and for every person on the planet that's going to be different it's very difficult to write about these things without scaring people i didn't want to write a book that was filled with fear that was so incompatible with what my path was and to this very day i have some concerns about that because i know full well what can happen And everybody who's been through some kind of mystical experience knows that fear, oh, I don't know if everybody knows, but I bet a lot of them have experienced this, fear skews the clarity of whatever's happening. It doesn't 
It's sometimes, though, you can see something that isn't positive. But there's how do you discern? And that's the question. How do you discern the fear from the truth? How do you discern an interpretation slapped onto something seen versus just the seeing of it with no interpretation? How does someone centuries ago describe something in the modern era? We may address this in the future. There's no time to do it today. But with the caveat that we're not going to get caught up in the fear, even if we see some things that are disconcerting. Because that's not where we need to be, sure. Imperfectly so, we will fear things, of course. The frontier beyond fear is a minute-by-minute thing. You fall into fear, then you work with your fears, and then you get beyond them. Love is the answer. Love is the key. Love is the opposite of fear. Fear causes hate. Misconceptions cause hate. Certainly imperfection causes hate. But that same thing that may give you a little rise out of coming up with some clever barb about somebody you don't like is also based in fear. And yes, sadly, it's an expression of hate. Everybody is capable of hate and of fear. And yet everybody is called to love. I think before I jump to the mystics, I do want to once again briefly jump into 1 Corinthians 13 because it's here in front of me and it's so important that we need to go over part of it again. But I think I'm just going to read it, very not stopping. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. 
Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. There's a lot in there. And it really did very much address what I just had to say and more. If we could reflect on that definition of love, just imagine what the world would be. You know, it really is easy and again, Let's not kid ourselves. None of us is immune. I'm not either. There is a childish, not childlike, childish aspect of each of us, that wounded child, that confused child, perhaps. I'm not talking about childlike, not the innocent, the hopeful, the wondrous, the one who thinks about things in wonder. But the childish one is the one that, you know, there was bullying on the school in the schoolyard and you were afraid. Or maybe you participated in the bullying because you went al- along with the other bullies. Maybe you were afraid not to. That's childish behavior. That is not the type of behavior we are called to as spiritual human beings. It may be a gratifying thing for the second that we're caught up in some pithy criticism of somebody. But it's not any kind of lasting satisfaction, and we know it. Why do we do it? Sometimes we do it to look clever in front of other people. Well, that might give a little rise. Maybe you'll get a bunch of likes somewhere. Is that really what you need? Is that what any of us need? How do we steer our courses towards love? There's a way of thinking about it. We get off course, even slightly. Oop, I'm off course, steering back towards love. How many times in our day can we think that? Because we're just wasting our time in these trivial trivial little battles that we get engaged in. They mean nothing. They gain us nothing. Just as this verse says, or this passage, we're nothing but a clanging cymbal or a resonging gong. Sure, maybe a whole bunch of people hear us with our pithy, critical remarks. And they praise us. But where did they really get you? 
And where did they help the planet? We must find our centers. So, I see it's already halfway past the hour. So now I will shift into talking about just a few of the mystics. Let's see here. Rabi of Basra is interesting. And let's see. I'm not necessarily going to have right in front of me exactly when they lived. Otherwise, I'll... Because I don't remember everything about how um, exactly when different mystics lived. But let's talk about... um, She wrote... A poem. She was a an early Sufi mystic. Reality. In love, nothing exists between heart and heart. Speech is born out of longing, true description from the real taste. The one who tastes knows. The one who explains lies. How can you describe the true form of something with a capital S in whose presence you are blotted out and in whose being you still exist and who lives as a sign for your journey? She was caught up in something greater than herself and yet she still existed within it. You can feel like nothing and everything, and everything in between. People who have had mystical experiences, and I count myself among them, one of the first things I felt was the astounding feeling of love, of being loved, and the miracles that were embedded within that love. Catherine of Siena, said a lot of things. I don't I have a couple of things. In your nature, eternal Godhead, I shall come to know my nature. And what is my nature? Boundless love. It is fire, because you are nothing but a fire of love. And you have given humankind a share in this nature, for by the fire of love You created us. Catherine of Siena also said, Love transforms one into what one loves. Mirabai, a Hindu mystic, um, she said, and here um, I do have dates right here for her, um, and maybe I'll go back and give you some more exact dates for the others. 1498 to 1547, Mirabai. Unbreakable, O Lord, is the love that binds me to you. Like a diamond, it breaks the hammer that strikes it. My heart goes into you as the polish goes into the gold. As the lotus lives in its water, I live in you. Like the bird that gazes all night, At the passing moon, 
I have lost myself dwelling in you. Oh, my beloved, return. That's Mirabai. Very intuitive, by the way. She saw some pretty amazing things in some of the trances that she had. She's considered a saint of India. And she wrote over 1,300 prayerful songs to God. And she could feel the love because the love is present when you raise your vibration. I almost called this program today Transcendent Love because transcendent love is exactly what these mystics are feeling. But the thing is, is it's not just transcendent. It is present on the planet. It is here. And when you feel it, It's all around you. And you realize that everything else, all those things that divided you from love, they fall away. They fall away. Because love is the key. Love is the key to everything. Can we focus on it? Teresa of Avila May today there be peace within May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith May you use those gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing that you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into our bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise, and love. It is there for each and every one of you. Teresa was also known for saying, It is love alone gives worth to all things. And see, that's important. Not only are you a part of this love that binds us all together, but so is everybody else. And by the way, Rabia of Basra lived 717 to 801 AD, so quite an early, um, considered a female Muslim saint. And she was born into slavery, and yes, she was a Sufi mystic. Teresa and Catherine of Siena, well, they were both um, Christian mystics. Let's see. Let's see what else I have. I have a lot of notes that what I did today before the show is I just um, picked up my notes from my research and I just kind of pulled out from there what I could see about love. Now, there's a, there are a lot of things about fear 
in my notes because a lot of mystics saw fearful things. But they ultimately felt love. In fact, often the experience that you have when you are having a mystical experience, it begins and ends in love. Because love is all that matters. So often in our world today, it's easy to be distracted. We're all distracted. We're all distracted. We're all pulled down. It's like things are just dragging us towards this or that, and none of it of high vibration. You know, as much as love will draw you to love, lower vibrations will pull you to lower vibrations. And if you're reacting all day, if you're worrying all day, and boy, I'm not immune, not all day, but you can feel it sometimes. It pushes your buttons, right? And you're concerned about the future. The path ahead which will actually bring the planet to a better space, is not what we think. You can't force it. By the way, Catherine of Siena lived 1340 to 1380. She's one of two patron saints of Italy. And she felt that she had a mystical marriage with Jesus. She was a mystical nun. It can't be forced. Love can't be forced. Higher vibrations. Nobody can force that. You have to be drawn towards it. And you must be drawn towards truth. Deception won't bring you there pulling the wool over someone's eyes and thinking that's going to help have a good outcome? No, because it's about truth. Love and truth and the divine are inseparable from one another. That's why truth is so very important. And honoring authenticity. Wouldn't you love to live in a place where people could authentically express who they are and be treasured for that and be encouraged to be the best that they could be, to bring out the best in them, that together we encouraged one another Instead of all this criticism, how much time are we wasting on that? How many minutes of the day are people wasting on this endless, endless, scathing, pithy criticism? This endless divisiveness, often shading the truth, not bringing out the full truth, hiding in fear from it. 
When you fear the truth, it will find you. Because the truth is the truth. If it's something that has transpired in the world, interpretations may vary, of course. But it doesn't gain us anything to fear it. We need to be honest with one another in every place. What would happen if science was honest? If, you know, science has continually been a process of questioning, questioning what we think is true, and then some lone person discovers something that turns out to be truer. Then that person's discovery is replaced by something even more directly true. We have to be careful how we define our pursuit of truth. It's not ever we know everything and that's it. That's not that's not what it's ever been. And it's not a loving can science be loving? Absolutely. I hate that it's so combative combative. What if we really cared with one another about one another and encouraged one another in our discoveries and really truly wanted to find truth? And even if it questions some norm, find more truth. I I was going to get the quote and I still don't have it, but I was reading an autobiography of um, Benjamin Franklin and he was doing experiments with electricity. And he was theorizing that lightning, and others were at the time as well, lightning had something to do with electricity. Well, he got a letter back from London how the Royal Academy there, this um, high group, you know, that held themselves so lofty, the scientists laughed at him, laughed at his paper saying that, hey, Lightning seems to have something to do with electricity, like maybe they're they're operating similarly. And he was laughed at. And how many other times have we seen those who have discovered something new mocked, even threatened with being burned at the stake early on? It's not just scientists, other scientists who can do the laughing, but there have been plenty of low vibrational um you know, religious movements which have um, not exactly been kind to new discovery. When we are in the space of honoring one another and encouraging one another and eagerly seeking more truths about our planet, even hoping that maybe what we think isn't true, and we'd love to hear another definition Wouldn't that be something? We would really be on the path to discovery. Sadly, we're often going the other way. And yes, even that has to do with love. It has to do with how we treat one another. It has to do with honestly listening, honestly exploring, honestly being looking at different perspectives, talking about them, honoring one another. Namaste, what does that say? It's all about honoring the divine in that other person and in you. And that divine, my friends, 
is love. It's inseparable from love. Everything else is confusion. Darkness may exist, but the light is what's real. Darkness is just a misunderstanding or an inability to see it. It's really not real. Only the light can truly exist. Everything else is a form of exploration, yes, into the lower vibrations. These are growth experiences when you're in the dark. And thank you, live listeners. I know the live program is ending. Um, Thank you for being here. Um, I'll finish shortly for those of you listening in the archive. Sure, darkness exists, but it's not as real as the light. It's the light that, it's just a lack of seeing that light. That's all. It doesn't take away the fact that the light with the capital L, which is a capital L that also is love, is real with the capital R. So I am going to close today's program, and I thank you for being here today. If I'm a little behind in updating um, the Frontier Beyond Fear website, which I will try to get to soon, you can always find all the recent episodes by clicking on the archive there. I just haven't gotten gotten them all on the page yet. That's FrontierBeyondFear.com. And I greatly appreciate the time that you've spent here today exploring with me. I feel your presence, and I know it's not easy. I know there are people listening in various parts of the world, and I can't even imagine the difficult journey some of you may be facing. And my heart goes out to you. And all I can say is we need to do our best to love when we want to react in a lower vibrational way what if we change that reaction to sending love sure we may be in a pretty scary situation can manage our reactions by being conscious of that love because everybody is touched by it and can be. And we it's the only way. It's the key. It will open the door to where we need to go, even if we're in a really tough spot. Some of us, you know, you can be in a situation, certainly in many wars, where you don't survive. Wouldn't you feel good to stand for love? To send love? as much as you can. Love can change the world. Love is the key and the answer and the door. Love is you. Love is me. Love is everything around us. Thanks again for being here today and take care, everyone. I will aim to be here next week and once again, I am defining the shows quite close to when they go on just so I can be sure that I can be here at the time of the show. But do look for it, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, 
every Saturday or most Saturdays. Um, and if we don't have a show, if I don't have a show, I encourage you to look in the archive and listen to one you haven't heard yet. And thank you to those of you who have done just that. I love it when you go back and explore. I really appreciate the time that we're spending together. Take care, everyone. Thank you.